welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2022 eyes. Hello. 22, baby. Oh, yeah, do, we're do. in 22. How long have we been in 22 yeah. for? Uh, when will this come out? <laughs> like, it's the end of Jan. It's the Eleanor. end of Jan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Not long. I've orientated myself in the future. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Now, presently, you'll be orientating yourself in, <laughs> in the, the past. past. But first, let's yes. go back to the future. The future. Hello, January 2022. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Um, yeah, we're uh, galloping through season four. Actually, we're not. We're more like sort of trotting, trotting if anything. Trotting, you know. <laughs> Leisurely pace. You know, we're, we're not completely... Uh, still but we, dead we're, we're, yeah, we're, not. <laughs> we're not flogging a dead horse we're not flogging that's a dead season horse. five <laughs> season. we'll get there don't worry <laughs> you'll see that dead horse and we will flog we'll it, flog it. <laughs> but we're not there yet we're uh we're trotting along on robert downey jr's <laughs> back peachy behind <laughs> Yeah. He's a fine, fine filly. <laughs> He's a fine horse. <laughs> yes. We've Good gone old. into weird territory, I feel. So. Yeah, I don't know what, what's happened here. I don't know much about horses, so no, this horse no, is not going to go very well. Let's steer away from this line. You all right? Uh, yeah <laughs> i'm good i'm pretty good thanks so how are you yeah I'm, I'm fine yeah it's friday here in november 2021 so um back then back yeah. then in the present pretty good. that is now your past but our oh my god oh my god where's the delorean when you need timey-wimey <laughs> stuff timey-wimey yeah. uh logic so Shall yeah, what's happening? Say, I don't even know what's today, going on anymore. We are here to talk about um, episode nine of season four called Reason to Believe. So is it called Reason or Reasons to Believe? Because oh. my information says Reasons, but the oh. song that it's based on is Reason. So Ooh, I don't know. Hang on a second. Let's do some investigating. What does IMDb say? IMDb says reasons, which is where I got it from. Reasons? What does Wikipedia say? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> IMDb is my holy grail for screen-based things. Uh, Wikipedia says reason. Oh, my God. Oh Didn't my. we have this with another episode? That it was like life, something of life. What's, oh, what's, I can't remember. What's song called did you say is it reason reason singular yeah so i reckon it imdb's got it wrong. imdb's got it wrong oh imdb you let me down son of a bitch yeah it's a rod stewart song <laughs> called reason to believe okay so oh my yeah. god rod stewart did you see him on um <laughs> yeah. graham was it graham norton recently like a parent no oh my god he performed his Song. Maggie May? No, 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 not Maggie May. It's like his <laughs> his his latest single, and it was so oh, he's still atrocious. producing singles. Oh my god, it was not good. It oh, I so love Rod Stewart. 
no, he's one of I my don't. faves. Really? Yes, I love Why? him. I think he's great. I've never gotten the Rod Stewart thing. Oh, he's got such a lovely voice. Mm, does he? Well, obviously not anymore, <laughs> but he does. Yeah, oh, like, come loads on. of people were comparing his performance on Graham Norton to um, Bill Nye's uh, character in Love Actually. <laughs> like, it was I can like, see that, but, actually. Like, yeah. a million times worse. Because <laughs> like, it's oh, real. No. And it's even more embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> Maggie May's one of my favourite songs. I love um, Rod Stewart. I think he's great. No. And like sailing. I am sailing. If you like my body. Not my thing. Not my oh, thing. He's a little pocket rocket. He's a little weirdo was... now. <laughs> oh, it's a shame. What a shame. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, the, I find Tom Jones more annoying, but never mind. Uh, yeah, I I think there's music-wise, I prefer Rod Stewart. I don't know what they're like. Oh no, personally. no, uh, music-wise, I prefer Tom Jones. Music-wise, I prefer Tom Jones. You know, the only think... way to solve this is for them to have some sort of sing-off, <laughs> like fight, fight, fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what I think. Anyway, back to Ali McBeal. So, reason (laughs) to believe. um, Yeah. First aired, 8th of January, 2001. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade, more problematic than it looks. We're into the new millennium. We're into if you the... take it that 2001 was really... Do you remember when we went into 2001, there were all those people being like, this is the actual millennium. I think you're like, you were all doing it a year too early. And it's like, Idiots. oh, that ship has sailed. <laughs> Never mind. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. Like uh, pedants, we call them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tedious pedants. <laughs> Yes, I remember those people. But yeah, two thousand and one is going to be an interesting year because it was like like the first like nine months were uh, sorry the first eight months even were like innocence and then suddenly the world literally changes. Well, like actually, nothing fucking happening in the world like in uh two thousand and one until September eleventh. I don't think like I really? really struggled. Do you think it's just that? Do you think it's just that? when you look back in hindsight, people are like, well, there's no point talking about that because September the 11th happened well, in 2001. I'm just, I, you know, cultural There's stuff. no point remembering anything else about the year. But cultural Let's stuff... Let's not like... even document <laughs> it. No, but I, I go looking for like, you know, things that... I go, be, look at, I go looking. I go looking. I go. I'm like a little <laughs> truffle pig truffling out the nuggets of cultural truffling stuff. Out the gold. <laughs> like, I I go looking for like stuff that like. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining you like on the internet, like. Yep, got it. Got a good one. Got, got a good nugget here. Got a good one. Um, I'm I'm having to like pull in reinforcement because I can't find interesting reinforcements shit for some. from who? From Liam. Like I'm like, can you help oh. me find like? Was this just like stuff? from his? Is this just like from his memory? No, <laughs> He's like, well, no, I remember I'm in like, January, <laughs> I was doing this. No, 
I need I need extra researchers on the case because I'm like oh, my bloody basic hell. bitch like Google searching for stuff that happened uh, on oh. this particular week is not giving me any gold like it's just like no no truffles yeah no truffles at all no no but i mean this week is this episode is all right but like further the further into 2001 you go that they're just really like yeah sparse 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 (laughs) i wonder why that is then i don't know i just i it's weird but anyway let's Let's get on with... Uh, yeah. So, uh, we Tell us what you did dig up then. So, for this episode, the US number one at the time was Destiny's Child, an independent woman, which I think we had a couple of... I think we had that last episode as well. Um, and the yes. UK number one is still Bob the Builder with Can We Fix It, the, the Christmas number one. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so... Well done. Well done, Neil Morrissey. Um, Well done. (laughs) 1st of January, Mm -hmm. the BBC reality show Castaway 2000 comes to an end as the participants leave the island of Paranay. Ben Fogel finally was able to leave the island and become a TV (laughs) presenter. For most castaways, life returned to normal after the project closed. Only Ben Fogel, who was heavily featured in the show. Only and, him. And Only comes, one shall succeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. well, apparently he comes from a media family. So I wonder whether that yeah. influenced how heavily he was featured on the show. I was um, going to say, I, I don't doubt that he's, it's, it's a little bit of like nepotism, nepotism going on there going and how on, he became yeah. successful. Yeah. Um, he, ha- he has continued to work in TV, appearing as a regular on The Holiday Show and Country File, amongst others. Um, since the show's Country ending, Taryn yeah. has opened up to tourists. Which I'm sure. Say, disappeared off the face of the earth because <laughs> of global warming. <laughs> Um, Okay. 5th of January, a report by the Department of Health suggests that Dr. Harold Shipman, convicted of 15 murders a year ago, may have killed more than 300 patients since the 1970s. Oh my God. We talked about him, Mm. didn't we? Like this time in season three, because that was when it happened. But yeah. yeah. But it's around. Cheeky, cheeky doctor. (laughs) It was around this time that. They were like, shit, it wasn't just 15 They're like, people. It hang was on a minute. Yeah, which is horrifying. We've got a graveyard full of people that were all treated by him. <laughs> Could this be related? Could this be connected? Um, at 8th of January, the High Court rules that the identities and whereabouts of the two killers of James Bolger are to be kept secret for the rest of their lives. Uh, Robert oh yeah, Thompson there was a big John Venables, backlash about that. Um, both then aged eighteen are were expected to be released from custody later that year. Um, yeah, I remember that. Like being Liverpool, really controversial, being up in arms. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, but I do you know what? Like, obviously, I don't don't say don't as a mother. Did. Don't say as a mother. No, 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 I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. I was going to say, obviously, I don't condone what they did. And I think they're seriously disturbed and um, deserve 
to probably be in prison. Like I think one of them at least still is because they got reoffended or something. Got, yeah, I think one of them child had to pornography go back or something like that. He was found to have child yeah. pornography. Yeah, can't remember which one, but yeah. yeah um, but anyway, but I don't. You have to personally. I believe in rehabilitation, particularly with crimes like that where they're chi- they were children when, when they, committed they committed that crime. It. Yeah, I agree. They therefore don't... I mean, this is going to be very controversial because I know there are people, particularly from Liverpool, who are absolutely cannot stomach the thought of them ever getting yeah. free. But I, I believe in a justice system more broadly that is built on re- rehabilitation, particularly in cases where children have committed crimes. And they are, they were children from they awful were. broken homes. Not that that excuses what they did at all. It doesn't. No. But they have served a punishment for that. And the, the aim of the justice system has to be to reintroduce people who show that they are capable of turning their lives around back into society. And to do that, you cannot go out and give their names... No. Like, let the world know who they are. Like, they would be lynched. They would yeah. be literally lynched. And yeah. that is, you know, maybe cathartic to some people, but that is not justice. No, That's it's not. not. You, you can't live in a society where lynching is possible. <laughs> like, yeah, that's where not... you can put people who are have been made sort of hate figures because of what they did but like we say like I don't the idea of like throwing a child in prison and just throwing away the key and being like well you're a write-off that doesn't feel right either that no exactly right um and I just yeah like to to... there's a narrative certainly that Jamie Bolger's mother has um consistently said which is they were evil they were just evil and I know why she says it and I feel for her so much because obviously her son's dead and it's not coming back and died in one of the most awful ways possible but equally I do not believe that children are just evil no, I don't believe I that I don't believe that either and it's, I think- it is it's and it's I and understand why she latched on yeah, to that but, idea. But like, I do. This but is why it's a lot more complicated than yeah, that. Yeah, but the, it's that very reason, the fact that she has that point of view is the very reason we have a justice system and we don't just go, Hey, you victim of the crime, what do you think would be fair? What do you like, want to do? You know, yes, we I don't know. we don't we don't let victims dictate the punishment. Like that's the whole reason we have a justice system because otherwise yeah. we would have a revenge system. Um, yeah. A vengeance. And so. it's so tough because I do feel for everyone affected by it and I'm not trying to take away their pain at all in that point of view, but I just, it's easy to say that they're evil because yeah. then you can just write them off and yeah. be like, and you can they deserve anything. anything that happens to them. But, unfortunately life is more complicated and human beings human are more complicated beings than are that. far more complicated <laughs> than that and and also I think it's a way of like yeah just othering them as like not our problem there was just something inherently wrong with them no one yeah. could have foreseen it no one could have prevented it it was just their evil and that's very simple 
um narrative but that and doesn't that doesn't help that sort of thing ever happening again exactly just saying, well it was just then they were aberrations yeah it's exactly. like mm-hmm. i don't think yeah. that helps so but yeah okay but yeah so, uh, moving on <laughs> yeah um uh, this is uh, 8th of January, the same day. Um, the Sexual Offences Amendment Act of 2000 comes into effect, um, reducing the age of consent for male homosexual sexual acts um, to that of heterosexual and lesbian acts. So for 16 in yeah, the UK good. and 17 in Northern Ireland. Um, which is, yeah, it's mad to think like... I just it's just mad gay it? panic eh it. yeah yeah <laughs> like to to know that we grew up in a time where the yeah it, it just is crazy to me sometimes um I find it very odd so lastly 10th yep. of January television debut of ITV's pop stars which will follow the effort <gasps> to put together a five-piece band that will then record ah! and release a single the boys band and the girl band or no, one band this is, uh, this is the one that hearsay won oh hearsay of course and liberty x yes liberty x they didn't win but they were like no, but liberty runners x up. were the better well they they were the more successful band because hearsay broke up pretty quickly yes. after they were formed yes. whereas liberty hearsay x... were also the the kind of inspiration for one of my more popular msn names oh, which yeah. was imp- impure and complicated lots of people complimented me on that (laughs) i was so chuffed when i came up with it i was like i am a freaking genius oh my god (laughs) you were like i'm edgy impure yes (laughs) (laughs) exactly it it really played very well to my audience at that time Everyone audience. thought it was great. <laughs> Grungy Rachel, <voice>. mainly. <laughs> she was like, I admitted the name, genius. <laughs> I still remind her of it sometimes. And she's like, oh my God, that was really good. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, it was. She's like, oh, I still dear. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless. Well, yeah, that's all I have for cultural stuff. Cool. Well, I guess that leaves us with nothing else to do but to dive on in to what is this reason to believe. Um, so come with me come <laughs> and you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is a wintry January evening in Boston and Vonda is singing Rod Stewart's song Reason to Believe um, as John, we see John watching the snow fall out of his office window and Ali comes in and is like, John, and then there's a record scratch and his trousers just spontaneously <laughs> yeah, fall like, to the ground. John. <laughs> and John is like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, what? Um, yeah. Why is this happening? Um, and as he's kind of fiddling around, pulling them back up, he gets so flustered that he falls over a chair backwards and just goes <laughs> screams <laughs> out. Um, and Ali is watching all of this, like semi amused, and is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I came into work on a closing, and I ate some bad pastrami, and I got gas pains, so I loosened my trousers, and that's when you came in, and I apologize." And 
And he's like, yeah, but that's okay. But what clothing are you working on? You're not even in trial. And he starts to answer that he's working on like his generic clothing, but he sort of trails off absentmindedly doing up his trousers. And Ali's like, seriously, what's what's up? What's going on? And John is staring at the snow still. And it's like, it's too beautiful. The light snow falling. Sometimes it's hard to walk home on a beautiful night when you have gas. <laughs> and as an IBS sufferer, I really sort of identified. With that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but Ali's like, don't you mean when you're alone? And he's like, well, lately I feel like I'm going to be alone for my whole life. Um, and I don't mean to sound sorry for myself because I have a great life. I love my job. I make tons and tons of money. But I see myself 30 years from now, a lonely old man with nothing to call my own but a worn out trial bag. And then he looks at the door to his office and sees an old man there with nothing but a lonely old trial bag. And John yeah. just screams at him. And the man screams back. And then Annie screams. And then John screams again. And eventually everyone stops screaming enough for John to go over to the man, surprise, because he knows him. His name is Nicholas. And he has come for John's help. And John's like, Ali, this is Nicholas Engbloom. And Ali's like, the Nicholas Engbloom? And I was like, who the fuck is Nicholas Engbloom? I don't understand the significance of this guy. Um, but John's like, yeah, I grew up two houses away from him. And Nicholas is like, yeah, I have a case that is going to trial tomorrow. And John's like, trial? But I thought you were retired. And Nicholas says that he came out of retirement for one last trial. And it is apparently a murder case. But the problem is his client won't talk to him because she doesn't trust him or anybody else. And the reason for that is she has Tourette's syndrome. And John's like, sure, I'll help you. But is everything else okay? Because you sound a little bit low. And Nicholas is like, oh, sure, I'm fine. I just I just want to help this girl. She seems like a really nice person. But it's sort of he's quite vague he doesn't really he sounds like he's still kind of hiding something still but then Ali is like well how did the murder happen and Nicholas is like well she ran over her lover with an SUV and Ali and John are like uh. but <laughs> Nicholas continues and is like and then she backed up over him and Ali and John are like Ooh. <laughs> and Nicholas is like yeah tough case and Ali and John are just sort of nodding slowly and then it goes to titles but I was like guys when are people going to learn that Cajun Fish are barely the lawyers for run-of-the-mill civil cases <laughs> let alone tough murder cases I mean this is not a good idea like yeah you've come to the wrong place <laughs> you come to the wrong place yeah um so after titles at the weekly meeting Richard sees this kind of new case on the docket and it's going murder and John's like yep that's the charge she drove over her boyfriend and Richard's like what's the defense bad tires and now it's like wait a minute she drove right over him and Ling asks why she needs John if she's got Nicholas Engbloom so I guess Nicholas Engbloom we sort of piece together as the audience is this like a legendary, somewhat famous yeah. legendary lawyer in Boston um, yeah. that all the lawyers know of and revere so um and John happens to grow up near him so John's like well yeah the Nicholas and the client have some communication problems because she's got Tourette's and Richard makes a disgusted face and it's like oh Tourette she's got that Ugh. and everyone's like looking at Richard like in disgust and John is like do you even know what Tourette's is Richard, Richard? and Richard's like Richard. John <laughs> what he hey? started to pronounce his name Richard. I was like yeah, he is that Richard. is a better name <laughs> Richard. it's like 
wretched <laughs> yeah wretched no richard is like thank you john i will have you know that i was once honored by the american Tourette society because of my considerable charitable work in that field and everyone looks really skeptical and is rolling their eyes and stuff and then richard goes it's where they whoop and tick and run around like monkeys right and i was like mm-hmm. he really is the worst like, he really is wretched wretched yeah exactly um and then elaine walks in and tells john that there's a woman here to see him and richard's like is she cute and elaine's like yes richard she's your type wattle for days and ling shoots richard a look and he's like i'm just asking so john goes to find this woman and her name is brandy and i don't know if you recognized her but she's played by an actress called Anne haney who where did you recognize her from I think I know her from Liar Liar. I think she yes, was the receptionist that's right. in Liar Liar. Yeah, Liar yeah, Liar. I knew yes. her. Yeah. But she was also in Mrs. Doubtfire as well. Uh, okay yeah so she's been in a few things but yeah um but john knows her as brandy because she is nicholas's wife and she apologizes for barging in because she's like i'm sure you must be very busy but i want to tell you that nicholas and i but at that point she doesn't get to finish because john just butts in and it's like well actually i'm just about to go and meet him now because i'm second chairing for him on his trial and Brandy's like, oh, well, I guess under the circumstances then. And John's like, why? What, what, what's wrong? And she's, she says, I came to ask you if you'd be my lawyer because I want to divorce Nicholas. And John is so shocked. He's like, what? <laughs> and then he stammers and he's like, what? Why? Um, and Brandy says, because of the trial, he's supposed to be retired. And he promised me that he would retire but now he's not and he'll never be and I can't take it and John is like holding his hands up in disbelief and like says out of all the couples in all the world the happy couples and Brandy's like no he's been happy I've been waiting well I won't wait anymore and then she gets up to go and it's like you know under the circumstances like I said I guess if you're going to be representing anyone you'll probably be representing him and John's like, no, wait, let, let me le- at least get you set up with decent counsel. Um, so Brandy must have agreed to that because next we have John and Ali asking Larry if he can represent Brandy. And Larry is like, no. But John tries to convince him saying, well, if you represent her and I represent Nicholas, we might be able to actually broker this marriage back together. And Larry's like, but it's supposed to be adversary, John, just like marriage itself. And John is like, oh, balls, look, they are the most in love couple I have ever known. And for them to be divorcing at age 70, it's outrageous. And I'm not going to let it happen. And I'm like, has he been taking like Ali's medication recently? Well, like, I'm just like, why is he getting involved? Get like. I know. But also, why is he taking it upon himself for this to be like his crusade? Like, yeah. nothing to do with him. Yeah. Anyway, um, Larry looks at Ali and she just sort of shrugs like what are you gonna do just gotta let him be romantic like you know if he doesn't do it i will you know (laughs) and john's like (laughs) yeah and john's like look i know how you massage people and make their worries go away and ali's like nodding vigorously and he's like you did it with kimmy you did it with elaine and lord knows how you massage ali and larry's like steady and ali stops (laughs) nodding and frowns at that which i thought was funny um but john's like have i ever asked you for much and ali's like he'll do it john because these are the kinds of things that he just can't say no to and larry just like looks at her like really and as john says thank you it's like thank you so much um and ali just smiles shrugs and like leaves and larry throws a pencil after her 
I really love like all the little looks that go on between Larry and Ali in this moment. So funny. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) Very cute. Banter. Yeah. Yes. So next, John is chatting with Nicholas as they walk through the courthouse to meet their client. And he's asking him about the divorce, saying, like, why didn't you tell me that she threw you out? And Nicholas is like, well, I was embarrassed and I really thought she would take me back. And John's like, well, it's serious, Nicholas. (laughs) Um, And then they they go into the side room at the court along with Ali um, and Melanie, their client, is there. And Melanie is played by Anne Hesh, um, which is notable because she was formerly the girlfriend of Ellen, which is notable oh. only because Portia de Rossi, of course, was going to be Ellen's wife in the future. Um, oh. However, I did look this up and fact check this, the, the timelines. The relationships never crossed over while they were both on Ali McBeal. So uh, like while they were okay. both starring in Ali McBeal, no one was dating no Ellen. No one was dating Ellen. Before Ali McBeal, Anne Hesh had dated Ellen. And then after, towards the end of Ali McBeal... Portia started dating oh, Ellen. But there was never course. an Ellen okay. crossover. Okay. <laughs> it's just quite funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, like, no, I didn't know that at all. Um, that's, yes. that's really cool. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, Nicholas is like, oh, hi, Melanie. And Melanie sort of squints at Nicholas in suspicion. And Nicholas is like, to John this is the extent of our relationship like she just squints at me and I try and speak to her um and John then sits down and he goes to introduce himself to Melanie and he goes oh I'm Jonathan Cage and then he stammers and is like I mean I'm Jonathan Cage I mean I mean John <laughs> like he just says Jonathan <laughs> twice for some reason and then he's like I apologize sometimes when I'm nervous I add extra syllables to fill dead air and then his nose whistles and Ali's like Ali's sort of staring at how nervous he is like almost fascinated with him she's like let's see how this is gonna play out you are not how is he gonna connect one oddball connect to another like how's this gonna go um but yeah she's just sort of watching um and then um then john introduces ali as his brother and then his sister and then he's like actually me neither he's like I I meant brother as a legal term. Us lawyers sometimes refer to each other as brothers. I know that the term is like archaic. Um, And at this, Melanie ticks, which um, for her at this point means that she goes, woo, and puts her hand over her head with a a thumbs up. Um, And then John because he has that like mimicking thing that he does yeah. immediately just goes woo back um, <laughs> and john ex- explains therein lies the cause of his nervousness he says it is possible that i have tourette's although i'm not very symptomatic but one of my symptoms is that i sometimes pick up on the ticks of others and mimic them it seems to be very involuntary like your symptoms and it seems to be the most pronounced when i'm nervous and i just want you to know that i was not mocking you um and melanie sort of leans forward and it's like i believe you <laughs> and sort of playfully um and then john John moves on to matters of the case and he's like I think your best option is to plead temporary insanity but Melanie it turns out is dead set against that because (laughs) she says people have looked at her like she was insane her entire life and she says do you have any idea what that's like and John says perhaps not but them thinking that you're insane for the moment could come in quite handy (laughs) Um, but Melanie is not budging she says I would rather be thought of as a cold-blooded murderer than to be thought of as crazy and if that makes me insane I still don't want to plead it and at that she bangs the table with her hand which she explains is one of her physical tics and then she goes Jonathan and waggles her hand in the air (laughs) and John 
asks in her confession um he says that she said that she went over to her uh boyfriend's house with the express purpose of killing him and she's he says was that true and melanie says yes and john says well why didn't you just kill him in the house and melanie's like i beg your pardon midget and twitches her face and nicholas is like well that's what she did to me but john gets it and he's like nicholas these utterances are involuntary that's what tourette's is at which point Melanie follows up with pipsqueak and Annie is like really trying not to laugh whilst John just ignores her tics and carries on. And he asks, um, when you left the house, he was quite alive and you wouldn't have been able to kill him if he hadn't followed you out and stood in front of your car. And Melanie's like, what's your point? And he's like, well, the point is, it sounds like you got angry and just snapped. And Melanie again is like, I am not pleading temporary insanity. I told that to Nicholas and now I'm telling that to you. Can we just go in and start the trial? And John's like, okay, fine. Um, The trial starts after lunch. And Melanie is like, fine, poop. And then she points her fingers at him and winks. Um, So, yeah. uh, Immediately, like, loving the uh, energy between Melanie and John. Like, you feel like she's she finds him very endearing um, yes and he's clearly i think like, she feels at ease with him her. yeah i think his um i think the fact that he just pays her ticks no mind whatsoever just isn't phased by them in the slightest mm. um but also has his own version of whatever this syndrome does um yeah she that feels comforting probably to her i imagine um because it's like oh i'm not the only one acting weird so yeah, like, i don't stand out do you know what i mean I, anymore so it must feel yeah you know like i we reassuring we share something that is comfortable yeah share something that is hard to relate like for other people to relate to if they don't have yeah it. yeah yeah um, but it's interesting in i imagine it's like, really hard Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I imagine, I find it interesting that we've never really, although John does have these quirks, like, we've never had it connected to Tourette's syndrome before. Like, No, but the way he speaks about it now sounds like that's always been, like, the assumed diagnosis. He's just never mentioned it. Yeah, which I find, I don't know. The thing is, I don't know enough about Tourette's. Or like to to know how realistic a portrayal either of these are do you know what I mean so I know um I don't know anyone super personally with Tourette's but I know of people um like friends of friends who have it mm. and, and have heard stories and stuff um and see and seen them out and about and I would say Melanie's I mean, obviously that has, it's it's difficult because um, I would say with any syndrome, there's degrees of severity. So some yeah. people are just ticking all the it time and some people's ticks you, people you'd barely severe. notice. Like I know someone with Tourette's um, as an acquaintance whose main tick is they pull their hair and they blink a lot, which oh, you'd okay. barely notice probably. Yeah. Um, but um I also know someone who has similar tics to Melanie, so shouts out insults. Um, I don't know them super well myself, but I know their wife, as it were. Um, so I know that they've they shout insults. They um, 
you know make whooping sounds and things um mm. but it's not constant it's not all no. the time and i feel like um it is very definitely um under when they're nervous or stressed stress um which so, you know sitting in a courtroom being on trial for murder yeah, you would be yeah, so exactly. I, I think it's probably quite realistic that they um that someone with Tourette's would be ticking more that than much. normal yeah um in that situation um it's like it's almost like you know whenever you whenever it's like the least appropriate to be like that that's when it will happen do you know what I mean <laughs> which is probably like part of it isn't it is like the, yeah. the pressure to like be normal right now yeah like yeah probably stresses you out which makes it more likely that you're going to do it yeah like um yeah I totally... so as far as I can tell from Melanie's portrayal it's it's pretty accurate bearing in mind she's on trial for murder yeah i don't know whether that's accurate for being in a more relaxed setting probably yes. not um but she's not being portrayed as being in a relaxed setting at this in this episode certainly no. um now john's uh sort of uh expression of of this um syndrome i don't know if mimicking people is a thing um, as you say i don't i'm not an expert on Tourette, no. so i've not seen it myself but that doesn't mean that it's not a thing that can happen no. um it's just you it's know, one if, of those if things you're where... if you're someone with Tourette's and you're around another person with Tourette's, do you set each other off as it were yeah it's <laughs> just it's, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like i'm trying to figure out whether david e kelly had like uh in his head an idea of maybe what John has is Tourette's or whether he's just like pulled this out of his ass like just because he's decided <laughs> yeah, to have a Tourette's character on the show I would say personally I think from this episode I, I don't know how things develop but Melanie seems like she's portrayed um it, it must be quite hard to act uh, to to portray a Tourette's character, I don't. I I think Anne Hesh has done a decent job there. Oh um, yeah, no, I feel like her performance feels like because it could really... so easily turn into a massive caricature, and it yeah, doesn't. And you don't feel like she keeps like the emotional truth of whatever is yeah like happening in the scene. Like she keeps that in yeah. there to be like, and so it does really feel like these ticks are involuntary. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I do think the performance seems very natural and like yeah. true. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. I actually think this is because um, I remember Anne Hesh's character from when we've watched it the first time, and I think it was probably my first introduction to Tourette's as a condition. I don't think I'd ever really heard of it before I'd watched this episode, oh, I think and I think I as have. it goes. No, I don't think I, if I had, I hadn't seen it much in action. I just, I just feel I like it's one of the earliest times I feel, that I'd seen something like that shown on screen. I feel like this was one of the first time I'd seen someone with Tourette syndrome portrayed in a, like, human... Leading way. lady type, like... Like, but, well, just in a kind of, like, it's nothing to be... They can live a normal life. Of like yeah almost yeah like because uh, i feel like what i'd picked up or learned about tourette syndrome previous to 
this portrayal on Ali McBeal was like, oh, people with Tourette's syndrome are a bit scary because they're unpredictable. Um, well, Melanie talks about that later, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I cannot pinpoint the things that made me feel that way or think that way about people with Tourette's syndrome. But I certainly, yeah, do have a vague feeling that I I had like a slight kind of like, oh, they're a bit kind of scary because they're really unpredictable and just like you just don't know what they're going to say or do next kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And so I do remember this being a portrayal of someone with Tourette's syndrome that that felt like, oh, no, they're not scary. Like this is not, you know, um, this is just very involuntary. Like they can't control it. And it's it's, It's like a sneeze. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But it's nothing to be fearful of. Like, no, they are not unhinged in the head because no they have these ticks like that's yeah you know what I mean yeah 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 no I do know what you mean um yeah I just can't I maybe I did but I just I would say if I think oh when was the when what, what can you remember about learning about Tourette's this is definitely up there as one of the early things yeah, that I started I, to I, learn more about it I feel like this was like the first positive portrayal of Tourette's in yeah I saw yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so meanwhile, elsewhere in the office, uh, Mark walks past Richard and is like, oh, hey, hey, Richard. And Richard's like, oh, um, hey, Mark, um, I've been meaning to ask, how good is Elaine in bed? Um, I've always wanted to find out myself, but I was always afraid of catching something. And I was like, I am so offended on behalf of sex positive oh, I mean, women everywhere. Like, what? Can I throw in objection? <laughs> I nearly like, did an objection there, but I've put it in somewhere else because something else annoyed me more. Annoyed but you yeah. more. Yeah, I'm throwing in okay. my objection because this is just Richard being a fucking unprofessional dickhead once again. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, uh, just like, that's your employee and your so-called friend you're talking about and it's really But gross. also, like, I'm trying to, if there was a guy that he employed that slept around, he wouldn't be like... Oh, uh, hey, secretary who might have slept with this guy. How was he good in bed? Like, I, 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 you know, I hope you didn't catch anything. Like, he wouldn't say that about a man. It's because it's a she's a she's she's a woman. woman. That's why. It's yeah. It's just really gross and like just shut up, Richard. (laughs) Wretched, wretched. Shut up, wretched. Wretched. (laughs) Nurse, wretched. Mark is also offended because he's like, you're talking about the woman I'm seeing. And Rich is like, I know, that's why I'm asking. <sighs> and Mark, thank goodness, just walks away and yeah. Richard is just left looking confused. Um, but then Nicholas, Ali and John come out of the elevator and Nicholas is um, talking about how impressed he is with the way uh, John is making progress with Melanie. Um, and as they're all sort of piling out of the elevator, Elaine comes past and announces that Mrs. Engblum and Larry are waiting for them in the conference room. Um, and this is news to Nicholas because he's like, what is that all about? And John says, look, we've set up a settlement conference. And just as Nicholas is about to protest and argue about going in there, John's like, if you don't want to wind up divorced, you'll do this. Um, and then back over with Richard, he goes to give Elaine some files and is like staring after John and Nicholas, like raving about having Nicholas Engblum in his law firm. And Richard is like, you know, we should find a way to memorialize it. And Elaine's like, 
yeah sure um and elaine's like busy and goes to like move away and do some filing or whatever but then richard is like hey 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 elaine is everything okay with you and mark sexually and she's like why and richard's like well mark doesn't want to talk about it and since he's a guy that means there must be nothing to talk about and elaine walks off and i was like for fuck's sake richard leave them alone like you've already ruined you've already ruined one of mark's relationships can you just not like stop the sticking of your fat bigoted nose into other people's lives like i just don't get what you're like you literally have nothing better to do like nothing (laughs) nothing fucking work (laughs) nothing whatever yes um so at the settlement conference in uh the conference room nicholas is upset that brandy didn't have the decency to tell him that she was getting a lawyer and she says well did you have the decency to check with me when you came out of retirement and larry jumps in saying hold on let's start out with nice civil tones and then build towards the anger (laughs) (laughs) and ali tries to get everyone back on track asking if the only issue is the fact that he's retiring and they're both like yes and Nicholas is like, I have never cheated for 40 years. I haven't so much as looked at another woman. I come home to you every damn night. And I was like, what do you want, Nicholas? A medal? Yeah. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. I, I have never cheated before. Um, and that therefore makes me an inherently good husband. And you have no right to complain about anything I'm ever. Like, that's the bare minimum, Nicholas. Yeah, I'm just like, no one's going to give you a cookie for that, Nicholas. I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> and Brandy's like, yes, but you have a heart condition. The doctors have told you to retire. And Nicholas like, they did Nicholas is like, they did not. That was your idea. And Brandy says, that was your promise. And Nicholas says, it's just one lousy case. Like, why can't we just put our big retirement plans on hold for one month? Why is it so damn important? And Brandy says, I am the one who has been on hold for 43 years. I am sick of being the one who you come home to. I want to be the one you wake up to. And that's when the heart of the issue comes out because Nicholas admits that he is afraid of retirement. He is scared of going dead inside. And it's not that he doesn't love Brandy. It's just that it's not enough. Which is one of the most cutting things you can say to someone. But Brandy, Brandy is like, well, I guess that's the problem then. It's always been enough for me. And everyone just looks really sad. Yeah, it's like, this is real bummer. Like, I'm all for people, like, having outside interests other than their partner. I think it's healthy to not have have your partner be everything. Yeah. But you also should be satisfied with your partner partner like not be depressed at the thought of going home to them at the end of the day (laughs) yeah being like well (laughs) i at least i do come home at the end of the day even though i don't want to because my job is my even though i hate it with every fiber of my being (laughs) i do still do do it it. and and that's as much as she can demand of me (laughs) men this is really a, a man of a certain age yes. situation. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. But anyway, Richard, for some godforsaken reason, oh. can't let go of Mark's sex life um, and has cornered him now in the unisex where it appears that Mark has, for some reason, admitted to Richard that he and Elaine haven't had sex. And Richard is like what and ling who is in a stall and overheard the whole thing comes out asking if something is wrong with mark's little thingy and mark's like no and he thinks that the problem is is they were both nervous because of all the talk of elaine's experience and richard's like say no more you're worried about how you're going to stack up against the thousand or so men that she's been with 
all the way off um, but then richard's advice is to get a sex song because john uses barry white and richard uses tom jones and he's like ling do you think it helps and ling just goes amazing in a tone that suggests that she's never been more bored in her life <laughs> she walks out the door. Amazing. <laughs> yeah she's like amazing yeah <laughs> amazing um I mean, it's hardly a rave review, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Elaine is confiding her and Mark's bedroom woes to Ali, who is trying to reassure her that not all guys rush and reminds her that Larry and Ali dated for more than a month before they, you know. And Elaine's like, yeah, but that's you, Ali. I'm more <laughs> in heat. <laughs> I love that Elaine just owns it. She's like, I've got nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> and Ali is like, yeah, but when guys think it could be right, they slow down. Like, this could be good. And Elaine's like, well, how was everything with you and Larry, like, the first time? And Ali is like, oh, it was so incredibly private. <laughs> I love that line. I thought it was really great. Really funny. Yeah. But I am a little bit like, did we get any hint of this in like the last few episodes? Because I'm kind of annoyed (laughs) that we've kind of missed that stage. Do you know what I mean? Because for a long time, yeah, because there was a whole thing around them not sleeping. kiss yeah and then suddenly it's like oh, and we oh yeah no, we're sleeping together. together yeah i'm just like wait what <laughs> yeah we i know that? like well what? eleanor it was so incredibly private, private so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like david e kelly what the fuck is going on like he's oh, just no. like oh that's not the interesting bit it's like yes it absolutely fucking is the interesting bit <laughs> more of that please <laughs> What Less of hell? Mark's sex song, more of Larry and Ali. <laughs> Less of Richard being a fucking dickhead, more of Ali and La- like you. Just I'm, Larry would be fine. Just, just Larry like, at home, chilling like, out, taking his is top off. The best <laughs> man she has had chemistry this with. This is the best ever. man we've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> What are you doing? You have Robert. We had to part with Danny Billy for years. Junior. Literally. <laughs> years. We've had loads Billy. of Billy. I'm, I'm just like, what the fucking fuck? You have RDJ right there with the best fucking right where chemistry. You, want him. you Right where we all want him. Pay good money for that chemistry and you don't show us the scene Uh, where they finally decide to like go all the way like you don't show us that like what they show us none of that i know (sighs) so frustrating Um, yeah no wonder he turned to drugs (laughs) (laughs) i'm annoyed that we're focusing on like mark and elaine getting it on more than i know like why why is this the storyline that was the storyline why what like follow the sexy this is not sexy i don't understand i don't understand why have you got robert downey jr in your show and you're not even gonna use him for the bits you know he'd be amazing at what are you playing at (laughs) (laughs) and then 
like fainting. Oh, so I am losing my like, mind. Keeling over. Why are you making all the She's shit? She's like decisions? wobbling from side to side of my like Skype screen. <laughs> I really yet again <laughs> is Michelle Pfeiffer okay? Is she okay? Can we just like blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh dear. Well, next we are in court with Melanie's case, and the opposing counsel, um, the DA, is questioning a witness, um, a lady called Mrs. Gale, about what she saw the night of the murder. And she says she saw them having an argument and screaming and he was waving his arms as Melanie got into her car. Um, but at this point, um, it's probably helpful to note that Mrs. Gale is a fat woman and she is interrupted by Melanie ticking and shouting, big girl, hippo, hippo. And everyone jumps and is like taken aback. And the witness just tries her best to ignore that and tentatively kind of continues and says that she saw Melanie start the car and as soon as he moved in front of the car boom she crushed him (laughs) and Melanie goes boom boom um and the witness confirms she just gunned it um and then John takes his turn to cross-examine and he kind of basically just simply confirms from her that she couldn't hear what was being said and then it's like I've got nothing further So next, the DA then enters into evidence Melanie's signed confession and says that he rests his case. And in response to this, John stands up and is like, well, I move to dismiss this case then because the prosecution's case lasted less than 20 minutes. And if you're going to ask a jury to take away a woman's freedom, if you are going to charge somebody with first degree murder, then by God, you better have a case exceeding 20 minutes in length. This is the height of expedience. I'm sure they have the electric chair warming up to simmer as we speak. Well, in this country, we call for evidence first and for a trial, a fair trial, not an 18 minute presentation. So send a message, judge. Use your gavel use your gravel right here right now to say enough and the judge who of course is judge walsh is just like denied (laughs) and at this john's like well okay i call melanie west as my next witness and walsh is like yeah tomorrow um um so uh, the whole like the the whole her shouting hippo thing at the oh, yeah. woman. I'm just a little oh, bit yeah. like, I mean, was that necessary? Can we throw in a fat phobia? <laughs> Always. Dum dum dee dum 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 de dum dum fat phobia is dum dum de dum dum fat phobia is dum dum de dum dum fat phobia is dum dum de dum dum. I mean, it is the sort of thing that Tourette's this people, Tourette's people, people with Tourette's yeah. um, is probably the better term. Yes. Um, people with Tourette's do shout offensive things, um, even know. if they uh, would never dream of doing it if they had control. Yeah, um, it's just that thing of like, you had to put that joke in there, didn't you? I know. It, I mean, uh, David E. Kelly's written it to be funny, yeah, which exactly. is annoying. Which is, um, which is what? I think is the fat phobic thing. Yes, agreed. Um, not Melanie herself. It's no. the, the the scene he has chosen to written yes. to demonstrate her tick in uh yes. you know, intentionally trying to make that funny. Like Yes. <clears throat> agree. Yeah. Um 
But um, everyone starts packing up to leave because um, Judge Walsh has dismissed the court until tomorrow. Um, and Melanie is sort of staring at John and smiling. And John sort of leans over and is like, do you want to tell me why you're smiling? And Melanie's like, well, you're quite funny. And John nods seriously and is like, we need to talk. <laughs> Meanwhile, over in Larry's office, Brandy is saying she does not want to talk. She just wants him to take care of this. Um, so Larry is meeting with Brandy to discuss the next steps in this sort of dispute um and he is like do you love him and brandy sarcastically says no i just devoted my entire adult life to him because it was something to do and larry is like well why divorce him then and brandy just stubbornly goes because i want to (laughs) and then she relents and is like larry he's going to die he has a heart condition i don't care if the doctors have given him some kind of green light he promised me and then she sort of trails off upset and then she says you know, we never had children in part because we wanted to be together. And Larry says when he retires, um, sorry. And Larry asks um, when Nicholas does retire, what does she want to do with him the most? And then he's like, keep it clean. (laughs) And she's like, well, I suppose I'd like to dance because we used to do that all the time. Every Friday night, he would make me a sea breeze and we would dance to Johnny Mathis. And Larry's like, I love Johnny Mathis. And um, he says he used to think he was Johnny in a prior life until he found out that he's not dead. (laughs) And Larry then loads up um then you can tell me goodbye which is a a johnny mathis song on his sound system and and asks brandy to dance and she's like oh no 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 but then larry insists and brandy's like well this is a silly idea but i suppose at my age i should never refuse a young man um young man Um, and so they they start slow dancing and larry says he could be wrong but i think there are plenty of these dances left and brandy's like why are you single (laughs) (laughs) and larry's like i meant with nicholas and brandy smiles and at this moment ali arrives and she's like oh hey and brandy and larry are startled and they sort of break apart with larry going it's nothing i promise it's just cheap sex right brandy (laughs) and he switches off johnny mathis and brandy's like i'm a thrill ride which i was like this is so cute and ali smiles and she's like john and nicholas are still in court but they are hoping to try and schedule another settlement conference later this evening and brandy's like well when he retires for good and forever then i'll talk maybe And Ali's like, well, that's something we can discuss. Um, And as she's saying this, Larry's arm creeps around Brandy's shoulders and he starts sort of massaging her neck and shoulder. Um, And Ali's like, in the meantime, you stay away from my man. (laughs) And then she sort of jabs her finger like faux menacingly. And is like, "Mm -mm." and Larry drops his arm from Brandy's shoulders. Um, And that whole thing is just so cute. So funny. It's so cute. It's like such a funny little scene. Love it. It was really nice. Um, so Melanie and John are going over strategy in the court side room and John is saying that his problem is that if he knows that she's about to lie he can't put her on the stand and Melanie's like I'm not gonna lie and John's like oh I think you are he's like I don't think you went over there to kill your boyfriend because if you did you would have done it inside which means you just snapped which means it's either temporary insanity or the heat of passion. It's truth time and time for you to trust me, Melanie. And Melanie yelps in his face, which causes John to scream. <laughs> and when they both when they both stop, Melanie finally confesses that it was an accident and that they were arguing and yelling and that her foot never meant to hit the accelerator. Can I just 
say that when she does that tick, like right oh, yeah. before she tells him, and John screams <laughs> when she did that when I was watching it, when she did the tick, I screamed as well. <laughs> so I screamed at the same time John screamed on the thing. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> did your foot accidentally hit the accelerator? <laughs> it, it didn't, no. But it was really okay. funny. She did the take and I was like, ah! <laughs> At the same time, yeah. How funny. Um, funny. So yeah, she says it was an accident and like her foot never meant to slam the accelerator. And she says that her Tourette's, like her hand, it happened with her foot and she didn't realise that she'd gone completely over him. She thought maybe she was on him and so she backed up to get off of him, not go over him again. And John is like, why didn't you just say that? And Melanie says, upset, because it was so humiliating. My foot shoots out and I run over a person with my car. I have been laughed at and ridiculed my entire life. I would just prefer if people thought of me as angry. And John's like, so you're willing to spend your whole life in prison rather than face ridicule? And Melanie says, I get asked to leave movie theatres because of the noises I make. Parents usher their children away from me because my body does things that I can't control. Now my foot shoots out and I guess a crime of passion makes me seem more human. And John's like, no, it doesn't. And then he's like, have you considered medication? And Melanie's just like, I'm on medication. Like you should see me without it. And John's like, well, I wouldn't presume to know the depth of the embarrassment, but I will presume that prison is not the answer. Melanie says she thinks she is willing to be only so pathetic. And John argues though that pathetic is having your life over, which it will be if you're convicted of murder. Um, and he says, tomorrow, I want you to take the, take the stand and tell the truth. And he bangs the table the way that she did earlier. And she's like, you did that on purpose. And he's like, I most certainly did. And they smile at each other. Oh, God. So, it's really heartbreaking, like that little... Oh, God. Just, I can't imagine... No. Yeah, just having to live with that, yeah. knowing that you caused this without meaning to ever or ever intending to. to yeah and yeah just like and something that you can't control and just it's further. not like oh if i if i did this differently it would never have <clears> happened <throat> like you can't say that do you know what i mean and it's just sort of further um yeah just that fear of like more just being seen as a joke like yeah that it's just oh, like yeah i know poor melanie no um, so back in the unisex, aka Richard's sex therapy office, um, he has got Mark dancing with him, like a synchronized dance to It's Not Unusual, to try and get him to feel himself, I guess. Um, so the main issue with Richard using the unisex as a place to conduct this therapy session is that anyone can come in and interrupt, which is an obvious flaw, but clearly do. not one that has <laughs> troubled Richard's tiny mind. Anyway, um, in this case, just as Richard has his hands on Mark's hips from behind him, helping him to thrust, um, <laughs> Nell comes in and Richard notices this and is like, oh, uh, Mark, and Mark hasn't noticed and he just like keeps thrusting away, facing <laughs> away from the door. And Richard is like, no, I don't think Nell likes it. And there's this record scratch as Nell stands there aghast and is like, what is this? And I Richard's love like, that. I love her delivery of that line. It really cracked me up. <laughs> and Richard is like, uh, sex dance? It makes us better lovers. And he's like, remember, it was your idea, Nell. 
and now looks distinctly unimpressed and it's like <laughs> if you really really want to turn a woman on respect her and Richard's like well, where's the fun in that and now's like if she thinks you really really respect her she'll do whatever you want men think it's money it's flowers it's sweet talk it's none of those things it's respect and Richard and Mark just look back dubiously and now just does a nod and is like and as she nods Aretha starts singing really weirdly in sync with this episode because literally like a split second before Aretha <laughs> kicks in I started going Just yeah, it was very... literally in time with Nell's nod, like her yeah. satisfied nod, and like, yeah, I've said a good thing, and like I... Aretha comes on the soundtrack. Good, um, good guidance. <laughs> and she's singing that, and then Nell goes into a stall and just leaves Richard and Mark looking quizzically at their reflections in the mirror, like, <laughs> what a concept. We've never this before. Radical idea. Yeah. So, back in the settlement conference, and Nicholas is telling everyone that he never lied. He did plan to retire, but... And Brandy's like, but what? And Larry gently says to Brandy, let me do the questions, okay? And then he turns sternly to Nicholas and goes, but what? Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> and Nicholas says, did you know I almost killed myself? after his retirement party oh, and we get this like sepia toned flashback of uh, a Supremes tribute act singing come see about me um in like a party going on in this like mm. really stuffy like law firm and um nicholas's voiceover is saying well it was meant to be this big celebration and he went there to celebrate um he did but then he went to his office and suddenly he was faced with having to say goodbye to his life. And the next thing he knows, he was on the window ledge looking down. And we see in the flashback, Nicholas is quite high, mm. um, quite a ways up above a busy, busy street mm. with lots yeah. of traffic. Um, and he says, you have no idea how close I came to jumping off. And back in the present, Brandy says, well, that just says it all, doesn't it? And he's like, what are we supposed to do, Brandy? Go to Florida, sip milk of magnesia daiquiris and play hide and go seek with our teeth? And Brandy's like, what's wrong with that if we're together? And he's like, you're asking me to be old. And she says unsympathetically, <laughs> you are old. <laughs> and Nicholas is like, at home, maybe. On the go golf course, yes. But in the courtroom, I'm still powerful. I'm not old in there. I'm not weak. And Brandy's had enough. Like, she gets up and is like, fine, go to your courtroom then. And Larry's like, hold on, Brandy. And Brandy's like, no, what a fool I am. And she gets her coat and walks out. And I was just like, poor Brandy. I was like, this is the problem with the patriarchy. It has made <laughs> men lay so much of their self-esteem and reason for living based on how fucking powerful they are yeah, in their jobs. Their true. big, big boy pant jobs. And not... Add, and that's like where their value is in society yeah. such that they're not valued for loads of other things that they bring to the table like nurturing their families like yeah being there to being, take care of and provide support to family like like there's no being a loving all partner, they have like is their everything they have in terms of their ego and what they think they give to the world is rooted in this like false perception of 
it just being what they did as a job when they were successful mm. I just think it's it's a real like there are so many flaws with the patriarchy and with capitalism but yeah. it, this is this is one massive one because it means once that's taken away so many men are like and men of a certain generation as well mm. are like oh well what do I what's my value to the world nothing I guess I just might as well jump off a building then. Do you know what I mean? I think like, it's, it's really just... interesting because I'm currently watching um, uh, One Foot in the Grave. Like, uh, yes, it's all you mentioned been this, put yes. on like uh, iPlayer and I'd never seen it before. And it the, the whole thing starts with Victor Maldrew being um, forcibly retired from his job that he's had for years. And um, how it, it's basically kind of like it kind of drives him a little bit mad because now all he has to focus on are all the kind of like petty, stupid little things that the mm-hmm. world does. And he feel he clearly feels like really kind of this impotent anger towards the yes. world like he can't do anything really. he tries to do things about he, it always nothing backfires. he does is useful and it's yeah. like there's so many things you can do that are useful to the world and are life affirming yeah like you know look after your house look after your wife go on holiday yeah. like let so many like look after your grandkids like so many things yeah yeah you I volunteer just, you know yeah like teach become, uh, so many yeah. things you could be doing absolutely and i think like, i mean to be honest none of our generation are going to be able to retire so i just look at them all and think they're bloody pathetic <laughs> so, like i wish that yeah, like, my husband you know will be able to retire people, one day like there are so many people that want early retirement nowadays because like the world has just worked them to dust basically like, yeah I wish they had the luxury of a retirement to look forward to like um yeah i i think it's uh, yeah it, it but at the same time like i'm like uh, you know it's that thing of like it's all very well saying that but it's just like there's no you can't just be like stop putting so much investment in it's not their fault it's it's like it's like it's they're a product of the system mm, yeah and it's just like if he is like suicidal at the idea of being retired like like that i feel makes things different and I kind of do feel for Nicholas when she's just like oh well that just says everything like that you were suicidal um at the thought of retirement like it just taking well, that she's very taking personally. it as a slight because yeah, she's saying that sure the, the, the opposite the, the she's saying that the co- correlating statement the statement that goes hand in hand of him being afraid to retire is that he's therefore doesn't want to spend time with her and I don't Mm. think it's that it's not that simple it's not that he doesn't want to spend time with her it's not that he doesn't love her he just doesn't know he doesn't understand who he is and what he contributes to the world if he's not Nicholas Engblom fantastic lawyer yes that's Um, it it's very sad it's very sad that that is what this system and this world has taught loads and loads of men of that generation is that that's all they have to offer yeah because it's just not true no Um, and to have so much of like you say your self-esteem and your self self um 
of like identity and things wrapped up in your job like is super dangerous because it it, it, it that's that's something that can be taken away from you at any time yeah yeah absolutely like yeah um, so yeah so yeah sad sad times um so later that night Ali and Larry are snuggling in bed together so we don't get the sexy time we get the snuggle time which (laughs) fair enough okay Um, (laughs) fine Um, give us the scraps then (laughs) um and Ali (laughs) (laughs) Ali asks if um Larry loves his job and Larry is like do you mean is it going to come first in my life and Ali's like no yeah <laughs> Larry's like well I hope not he says I don't think anyone sets out to make work their number one priority and Ali's like well so what happens and Larry's like well I don't know I guess it just happens and Ali's like well not to get ahead of ourselves but if we do stay together I don't want that to happen and Larry's like me neither and they just snuggle in more Aww. um uh, we'll take the scraps I suppose, <laughs> I suppose. um so yes so yeah. The next day, um, Melanie's trial continues and Ali is questioning her on the stand. And Melanie says that she and her boyfriend were together for six months and he was also her boss at work. And that day she ran over him in her truck. Um, they that that day they were they were fighting and she was in her car getting ready to leave, and he was yelling at her because she was leaving in the middle of a fight. And then she says, and then all of a sudden, my foot and shouts really loud as her Tourette's has, has flared up. And then she continues and says it was completely involuntary and she didn't mean to do it. And then after a pause, she just shouts pancake to the side of her. Like she's almost like, you know, when you sneeze and you go to the side, yeah, she does yeah, that. Yeah. Sort of. um, and she's then cross-examined by the DA who asks if she was in love with the victim. And she's like, yes. And then the DA says, well, the truth is you hadn't just got into a fight that day, did you? He broke up with you. Isn't that the truth? And she's like, well, I never denied that. And the DA is like, no, you haven't. In fact, prior to today, you've never denied trying to kill him intentionally. And Melanie's like, that's because I was humiliated. And then she sort of ticks and barks at the council and slams her hand on the bench. And everyone in the room looks really sort of unsettled. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the courthouse, um, Larry has arrived with Brandy and he's brought her in ostensibly to file her papers for the divorce. And as they're walking through the corridor, Brandy's like, why do I need to come in in person to file them? And Larry's like, really vague. He's like, oh, they've, they've, they've changed the rules. Um, oh, look, over there. Um, that's where <coughs> Nicholas's trial is. Um, should, we, should we just take a quick look? And Brandy's like, is that why you brought me down here? Do I look stupid? And Larry's like, Brandy, you're angry because you want someone to share your life with. But my question is, have you truly tried to share in his? And she's like, I'm a little bit like, "Hmm." (laughs) what? Just sit around watching doing his job? Like, how are you? Bring your wife to work day. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, should I commit a crime so he can defend me? Like, what? how involved do you want me to be in this? <laughs> so, well, anyway, in the courtroom, as Larry and Brandy, like, quietly enter and sit down in the gallery, there is now a doctor on the stand being questioned by Nicholas to establish the nature of Melanie's Tourette's. And the doctor's saying that 
motor tics of the lower limbs are not uncommon. And he testifies that Melanie has in the past exhibited like squatting and twirling, which is to do with her legs. So he says that under extreme stress, she could exhibit an entirely new tic altogether. And Melanie slams her hand on the desk. Nicholas then asks if the tick is neurological. There's nothing psychological about it. And the doctor says that's correct. Um, and Nicholas says, yet these ticks, these utterances seem to have some cognitive component. Like she calls Mr. Cage a pipsqueak and he happens to not be tall. And she runs over a man she's angry at and she says pancake. And the doctor says that there's always been a psychological or a mental connection that we can't explain. Nevertheless, these utterances are completely involuntary. They're caused by a neurological pathology. And so Nicholas says, well, then the question, doctor, that I have is this. Is it possible that she therefore involuntary hit, involuntarily hit that accelerator? And the doctor says that's extremely possible. And Nicholas says he has nothing further as Larry watches Brandy watching her husband smash it in court. Um, so Larry's like, see, look how good he is. Isn't he? How could you make him retire? Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> look at the good, look how selfish you're being, Brandy, by wanting your husband to retire. Look at all the good he does while you're yeah, just a housewife. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> How do you do? Yeah, exactly. Um, Why aren't you in here every day supporting your wonderful husband and all the good work yeah, he does? Yeah, bringing him home-baked treats and knitting him sweaters. Yeah. Why can't you just be you watch with him? That? Yeah. Um, in a break from the trial in the um, side room, Melanie and John are going over how they think that it's going for her. And John is saying that he thought she held up very well um, and is reminding her that all they need is reasonable doubts. And at this point, Melanie goes, whoop, and so does John. Um, and then John says, and remember, Nicholas Engblom has no equal when it comes to delivering a summation. And then John starts reminiscing of when he was a little boy and he used to just go and sit in on Nicholas's cases just to listen to him. And that was the reason he became a lawyer. It's like, why don't um, you just get married to him then, John? I was going to say, I was like, why don't you be his wife then? Yeah. Um, and then, but then John says, um, and now you've got him as yours. Um and Melanie comes to sit next to John on the table and says sort of warmly, and I also have you. And John awkwardly is like, yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and Ali, she's been excellent. Um, <laughs> and he says that as Ali is about to come in, um, but Ali stops as she sort of sees them sitting close together. And Melanie grabs John's hand with like both of hers and is like, thanks, John. Thank you for making me try. And Ali looks at them both together and sort of cocks her head to one side, smiling and like backs away and like leads them to it. And John's like, well, I should go and check on Nicholas. Um, and they smile at each other as he sort of reluctantly walks away. Yes. Um, so there's definite chemistry there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so a bit later, as they're walking down the corridor, Ali um, is like arm in arm with John and is like whispering to him. She's like, Melanie likes you. And John is like, starts no. stammering and dismissing this because he's all embarrassed. <laughs> and Ali's like, do you like her? And John's like, she's a client. And Ali's like, yes, I understand that. But suppose we win this trial. You two could go out. I think she gets you. But John is cautious because he's like, oh, with her syndrome and perhaps mine, 
I think that could be a very dangerous combination. And Annie's like, but why? And John says, what if we have to call 911? I start begipping away and she barks. No, this could be very dangerous. But they don't get to discuss this much further because all of a sudden paramedics start running down the hallway asking for people to get out of the way. And Larry jumps out from a room further up the corridor saying, right here. And Ali and John are like, what the fuck? And they hurry and follow. And suddenly, like, the camera work goes all, like, <laughs> shaky and blurry, like and an like, 80s music video. as well. It's like, you know, like, the, the, the cartoon strip bit of the aha take on me video i feel like i've referenced that before when they've used this effect in the past like it's just really i found it really distracting i was like this does not help with the tension it's like just makes me think when's cartoon motorcyclist guy gonna come along (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ but yeah yeah but it's dramatic to just suddenly be like (laughs) yeah very dramatic um Um, And we see Larry pushing Nicholas out of the room and Nicholas shouting, let me go. And then we see Brandy being wheeled out on a gurney, like unconscious. And Nicholas runs after it as they wheel her out of the courtroom, um, courthouse. Um, And he's like, Brandy, Brandy, as everyone like hurries after them. And John is like, what's going on? And Larry just goes, she just went down. So John, Larry and Nicholas have rushed to the hospital to wait to find out what's happened with Brandy. Um, and eventually the doctor emerges from her room and says, it looks like she's going to make it, but she has suffered a massive coronary. And Nicholas asks if he can see her, but the doctor says, well, she's she's still unconscious. And Nicholas is like, well, I still want to go and see her. Um, and John says, but sh- she is going to be all right. And the doctor's like, yeah, we think so, yes. And Nicholas goes, well, this is God telling me. He was like, I wouldn't listen to her, but I should listen to him. Um, and then he follows the doctor in to see Brandy. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show if you don't want to listen to your wife, at least listen to God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's yeah, the lesson. I mean, if it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, I'll, I'll listen to a sign from God, but I won't listen to my wife's divorce notice. I'm not listening to a woman. I will only listen to a man. A fictional man. An imaginary man. That that I'll believe that over a male deity. A male deity over a living, breathing woman. Who I've Um, been married to for decades. Nicholas Um, and now uh, the next installment of Richard's sex therapy (laughs) he has Mark dancing in the unisex to respect by Aretha Franklin Um, and as they do their little dance on the catwalk um, Nell sticks her head over the stall wall and watches and then she suddenly goes yeah she's like a meerkat she's like (laughs) and she suddenly goes well and the record like goes scratches off Um, and Richard is out of breath and is like what do you think and she's like I think you two are ready you're looking really proud of them um cut to renee at the bar singing her own version of respect and can we just take a fashion I mean, moment i mean i think we're gonna need a fashion mo- like momentum like we need, momentum like, what's the momentum i don't know it needs to be it feels like it needs to 
be bigger than a moment, okay? Because this is okay. something else. <laughs> Would you like to describe what Renee is wearing? We have Renee Radic in the red trouser suit. No, <laughs> it's shirt. pink. It's hot pink. It's hot it's pink. Red. It's, it's hot pink. It's hot pink. I hot pink on my red. screen. Well, I have it as hot bloody pink. Well, I have it as red. Oh, I'm going to take you. Gonna a, I'm going to give you a screenshot. I'm going to show you. I'm going to play it on my computer. Share your it. screen. Oh yeah, I can share my screen. Oh, you can share screens on computers now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you could do that. Oh, that's not... Hmm. Hmm. Is it red? Is it actually red? <laughs> I think you could call it hot pink. Is it secretly actually maybe more likely to be red? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm just going to a bit. Well, because the eye cats were wearing pink. So I would be what? like, why wouldn't she wear something to blend in with them? Look, she wants look to I'm going to share contrast. my screen. She wants Wait, to clash. Let me... <laughs> I need to. I think that's hot pink. I think it looks red to you because you are blind. Um, but. <laughs> I can see colours. May I remind you, Eleanor, that you are legally blind. I didn't want to pull this card, but... I'd like to remind you, you are Hans Molman. Goodness. Like, hang on, I'm just loading up WhatsApp. I think that's hot pink. I think the lighting makes it look red, but it's hot pink. Let's have a look. See, I think the opposite. I think the blue lighting mixing with the red makes it look parts of it hot pink when it's actually red. It is hot pink. It's red. It's, it is hot pink. Uh, it is not red. Oh, Eleanor, who has twenty twenty? Who has twenty twenty vision? Who has and who has the vision of a blind pensioner? <laughs> but I'm not colour blind. That's a different kind of vision. I know. How do you know? I do know. I've done a test. I do know. I do know. Hans Molman probably doesn't think he's colour blind either. <laughs> Okay, I'd like a poll done where we ask the audience, is it pink or is it red? Okay. This is, this is a total, like, is it is it black and gold or is it blue and... <laughs> Do you remember that dress thing? Yeah, blue oh, and black. Blue and black. black. And, black and, gold and white or blue and black. Was Which that makes no sense. Anyway, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've got a similar dilemma So anyway... Here. Continue with the fashion moment because I think we've gone very off track. Okay, so Renee Radic (laughs) is wearing some sort of pantsuit. Some kind of red, maybe hot pink pantsuit with a black shirt. Something in that spectrum. Right, a black shirt. Yes. 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 Um, That is, uh, and a huge, and I mean huge. Pharrell Williams ain't got nothing on this. (laughs) Huge white with like I think it's white with like black 
stars, but they're like funny. I thought it was birds. I wasn't sure. Like, that, that's tell. the bit where I'm going to need some support in the vision area. Because I, they look like, <laughs> like wonky stars, like really badly drawn stars. Let's go back to your photo. I, at Let's first reference. I thought it was like an oversized houndstooth pattern. Oh, you know what? But it's I think not. you're right. I think it might be birds. It's like little swallows. swallows, but also they look a bit but like kind of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they also look like, a bit like jellyfish. Maybe drew them. I'm like, <laughs> could you Just not? Could you, could you it's not? It's a really weird. <laughs> what it is you've just said it's a huge white <laughs> oh, with black yeah. star it's birds like, on is that a trilby like an oversized trilby yes. app? it's a massive trilby <laughs> it's, huge. it's big enough it's for everyone to live in <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you could like take off to the moon in the thing like it's so brandy and nicholas could retire in it <laughs> And I well, to it, me, I felt like it was a very Mary J. Blige inspired oh, yeah. outfit. Yeah, yeah, because she used to wear like the hat. I mean, obviously, Mary J. Blige wore a stylish hat. Yeah, and she <laughs> yeah, pulled it she... off a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the hat is something. <laughs> it's something else. It's so. But you're right. I think it. Those are supposed to be birds. The point is, I feel like Renee is just about pulling it off. (laughs) Only Renee could. Look, she has enough sass to carry it. That that if you have enough sass and enough like self belief, you can pretty much pull off anything. You can wear any hat. (laughs) You can wear as many huge bags. You can keep your hat on. As you like, and people will accept As it. As JK from Jamiroquai very well knows. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, she looks great. Uh, it's she certainly great. Looks, looks something. Um, look. Yes. And, um, and, and, yeah, well, she's there looking like that. Um, Richard and Mark <laughs> are dancing their sex therapy dance in sync with um, Ling and Elaine. Um, and over at the other side of the bar at a table, Ali's on her phone learning about what's happened to Brandy. And she then tells Nell, who's sitting with her, um, she's like, Brandy's going to live. Um, Larry's on his way over, but John's going to stay there. Um, and then she's like, you know, Nell, life is short. It really is. And Nell's like, thank you. And then Ali's like, do you ever feel like you're wasting yours? And I was like, Objection. this is my... Objection! <laughs> because how fucking rude! Like, I know. who does the fuck does Ali think she is? Like, this is yet another example of '90s slash 2000 shows depicting like coupling up as the end game, and there yeah. being like no viable alternative if you are ever gonna be satisfied yeah, as a woman. Yeah. Like, being single is literally a fate worse than death. Yeah. Like, well, I you're hate wasting this. your life. Like... I hate this. Like, this narrative is responsible for so many unhappy relationships 
like terrible marriages, painful divorces and fucked up children. Yeah. Like this yeah, is not absolutely. the one. And I blame you, Ali. You. <laughs> well, what's really funny about this interaction, because she, because at first when she asked that question, I thought she was just asking like, a general rhetorical question like do you ever feel no, just no. like wasting your life and then as it goes and I was just like I just thought like yeah I, I was just like oh she's just asking a general like a, the no, general because you and then now as replies, it goes on, it's like oh now no, replies <laughs> now replies and it's like Ali I'm happy for you and Larry but I like my life just fine and it's like so what she's saying is, yeah. do you ever feel like because you don't have a boyfriend, you're, single, you're, you're a waste of life. space? Like, like why are you consuming like, oh the world's resources? God. Oh my fucking God. You deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you be happy on your own, bitch? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, do you ever... It's just so rude. It's just so rude. So rude. rude. Like, I mean, I'm not. I've not been a massive fan of Nell this no. season or last season, but this is uncalled for. I mean, it was just so like, like I say, I just out of the blue. I did not, did not take it when she first asked that question. Did not take it in that way and thought she was just asking like a generalized, like you know, rhetorical question. And then it's like, oh no, you're you're actually asking because she's single like you're asking her that because she's single and it's just like you were single not too long ago missy (laughs) yeah and just because you thought it was a fate worse than death doesn't mean that everybody does (laughs) yeah it's just like what now suddenly magically because you're with larry like you're not wasting everything's fine i know i know i know um well anyway they continue to watch dumb and dumber dance with poor (laughs) elaine and ling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> back at the hospital um john and nicholas are in brandy's room and nicholas is telling john that 46 years ago he was in a bar and he ordered a brandy and they sent a waitress over whose name was brandy and it was a case of a communication breakdown which resulted in a marriage instead of breaking one up and then he's like i get a laugh every time i tell that story and john's like yes it could be construed as funny which <laughs> really reminded me of something our brother would say <laughs> Ed would say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Nicholas says oh his real fear is that if he is home all day with Brandy she'll finally figure out that he's not good enough for her and John's like surely you don't believe that but Nicholas says that women love power and she was attracted to my power is that a euphemism <laughs> um, <laughs> what if she doesn't love me anymore and John's like she's not gonna stop loving you and nicholas sadly says that every trial he ever won he won for the client but he also won it for her and john just tells him to say that to brandy when she wakes up and nicholas has a think and says to john that he's not sure that he can do the closing tomorrow and he asks if john can do it instead and john says sure and just like pats him on the arm 
Um, cut to John walking backwards and forwards with no shoes on in his office early in the morning, trying to prep for the closing while Vonda sings more of Reason to Believe. Um, more Roger Stewart. Um, and he does like a little twirl, like mid pacing across <laughs> the room, which was cute. Um, and Ali comes in and is like, are you ready? And the music kind of slows to a stop and John's like no actually how do I make the jury believe she didn't mean it when she ran over him without so much as an oops it is very hard to make sense of this without well at least without any degree of persuasion and Ali questions whether it has to make sense because she says some of the best things don't do they and John's like well such as and she says well love beauty is another it's in the eye of the beholder and even humor doesn't make sense when you think about it who can really explain what people find funny I mean, to me, it's the insistence on making sense that doesn't make sense. And the people who do, they often end up alone. And John goes, Ali, she, she barks, she squeals, she makes me squeal. Her little hand fires out and whacks things. When I go for a movie, I like for the action to stay on the screen. And Ali's like, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't make sense. <laughs> and wanders back out leaving John with his thoughts of which he has many now because Ali has made the little cogs whir in his brain um, I do kind of love this kind of gentle ribbing that she kind of does to be like yeah. come on take her seriously like take her like consider yeah. her as a serious consider prospect her. consider you know? her consider <laughs> herself your, your mate, mate. <laughs> yeah um so the next um in the next office along um mark and richard are having a debrief sitting with their feet up on richard's desk because it appears that mark managed to get over his mental block in the bedroom and had sex with elaine and because mark is saying oh what a relief and richard's like yeah beginning of relationships tough once you get over that first hump and he goes the song helped didn't it and Mark begrudgingly but happily says, well, it didn't hurt. And Richard confides. Um, Richard then confides things that I don't want to know. Like, nobody needs to know this. Why, Richard? Why? Like, he says, Ling couldn't get enough of him last night. And there was plenty to go around, if you know what I mean, because he took the big V, um, meaning Viagra. Um, and do you remember it was around this time when Viagra became like really readily available, certainly in the mm, States. And it was just yeah, like on so. every show, like every yeah. show had a joke about it or a storyline about it. Yeah. It was just like everyone was taking Viagra. Yeah, um, that's very true, actually. I'm just thinking of an episode of Frasier that probably would have been on a similar it's time. Like a, it's, it was like a real moment, like yeah. a topic for yeah. comedy shows around now. Yeah. Um, whereas nobody ever mentions it anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> um, and anyway, Richard says, respect only gets you so far. True love, it needs chemicals. And Mark says what I've just been saying, which is, is everybody taking Viagra these days? <laughs> <laughs> and Richard's like, yeah, pretty much. Hey, your last girlfriend did. That's how you found out the truth. Um, and he's talking about Cindy and making a crash joke at a trans woman's expense because he is literal garbage um but at this point um elaine comes in and richard goes oh hey elaine um not that it's any of my business but how was it but elaine ignores him just grabs mark gives him a massive kiss while maneuvering him onto the desk where they writhe around on top of all of the crap richard has on his desk um like things are squeaking i don't know um <laughs> and richard know. just watches and goes it was the song 
Yep, it's he's satisfied with another happy customer at Richard's sex therapy clinic. <laughs> Uh, may we never go there to see again. That. Like, why do we have to see Elaine and Mark writhing around in front of Richard? Like, that is not yeah, sexy. That's not what we want at all in any way. Nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I bad, bad instincts here. <laughs> yeah. Um, back in the courthouse, we're hearing the closing arguments in Melanie's trial. So the prosecution goes first, saying that. Uh, she's angry with him they're fighting she runs him over backs up over him again confesses but now for the first time in trial she suddenly claims it was an accident right and then John and Melanie both bang the desk in unison (laughs) Um, the DA continues saying she's looking to get away with murder ladies and gentlemen she killed her lover and now she's exploiting her disease to try and get away with it I suppose you could fall for it but I think you all know better and I was looking at the jury like I don't think they do (laughs) Um, but then it is John's turn who corrects the ignorance of the prosecution, saying it's a disorder, not a disease, which is little consolation to the victim. But the distinction does mean something to Melanie West because she has been stared at and gawked at her entire life and has been thought of as diseased and deranged. When a person suffering from Tourette's blurts something out or their hand jerks with a flip, it's no more voluntary than a heart attack and no more welcome. Oliver Sacks once likened Tourette's to being possessed. He also spoke of it as the missing link between body and mind. The truth is, we don't fully understand this syndrome, and the folly here would be assuming any of us ever could. Imagine a word coming out of your mouth that you didn't intend to say. Or imagine trying to maintain your dignity and self-respect as you bark at people, as you squeal in a church. And Melanie West has managed to hold on to her dignity in the face of unrelenting ridicule. But when she ran over her boyfriend, the only way she could cling to any self-respect and avoid being dismissed as pathetic was to make up a lie, to say she did it on purpose. It's better to be condemned than pity. The DA can't make any room for that possibility, can't make any sense of it. Unless you can walk in her shoes. No, check that. Her body, her twisting, ticking body. Perhaps you can't make any sense of it, which means you can't be sure. If you are looking to latch onto something tangible, something reasonable, it is right in front of you. It is called doubt. And I was like, that is a bloody great closing I job. Know, How I fucking done. That, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really, really good. So good. Yeah. Well done, John. Well done. Oh, can do a closing like Nicholas Engbloom. <laughs> Nicholas who? <laughs> yeah. So back in the hospital with brandy um nicholas and larry are playing scrabble with her on her bed um and brandy has just laid down the word murphy's and nicholas is like that's a proper noun and brandy's like no it's slang and nicholas is like what for larry have you heard of this and larry does a mime for like boobs because that is apparently what slang murphy's is slang for boobs Um, but he does a mime for boobs like involving the the nipples like as tuning knobs which i was like what is this that feels like like, an rdj like throwing yeah and nicholas is like you can't use a word like that and brandy's like you put down bunghole and i know what that means i was like guys stop this why does brandy watch beavis and butthead i'm not into this um brandy's a nice old woman like why would she why would she watch such crass humor but anyway 
Larry is like, yeah, I was going to challenge that myself. And Nicholas is like, why are you here? And Larry's like, because she's represented by counsel. I can't let. And Nicholas interrupts going, oh, balls, the case is over. You're discharged. And Larry's like, well, I haven't heard that from my client yet. And then he turns to Brandy and is like, is the case over? And Brandy goes, I don't like the word over. I prefer the word retired. There's big points in that word, she says to Nicholas. And Nicholas is like, yeah, there are. And she holds his hand and Larry makes this like praying motion with his hands to the sky. And Brandy then announces that the case is over and Larry breathes a sigh of relief and lies down on the foot of the bed. Like, <laughs> thank God. Thank goodness. Um, back in the courthouse and the jury's back and they give their verdicts as Melanie yelps. Um, Melanie is not guilty of second degree murder and Melanie can't believe it and she says thank you to Ali and John and is like am I free? And Ali goes and single, single and free <laughs> and she's like um and then she makes her excuses and leaves them alone to discuss the quote unquote bill and she makes these like wide eyes at John and Melanie's <laughs> like what? And John's like yeah she's a bit of an odd duck and Melanie's like you like odd ducks don't you? And before John can answer Melanie's like can we appeal and John's like we won but Melanie says but I but I thought maybe if we can appeal I can have some more meetings with my lawyer and then understanding like crosses John's face and he's like oh that was an overture and Melanie's like yeah yeah it was John I know I come with a few quirks but I have this feeling which something tells me that you share and John doesn't say anything but his nose whistles and Melanie smiles and is like what if we agree up front that I'll never drive? And John's like, Melanie, I would love to go out with you. And Ali, who's been watching the whole thing and has been trying to like keep it in, just goes, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like squeeze. In the <laughs> I know, she like squeeze at the top of her lungs and then she's like, <clears throat> and like skedaddles as Melanie leans in and kisses John as they decide to like get out of there. Cut to the only place we can possibly go for a happy ending, the freaking bar, of course. Um, so Ali and Larry, John and Melanie, Mark and Elaine and Richard and Ling are all slow dancing in their respective couples as Vonda sings. Then you can tell me goodbye by Johnny Mathis. And what this means is that Renee and Nell are left sitting together at the table, just looking fed up. And Nell's like swigging a martini. Like, <laughs> and it's She's like, if this quite keeps up. chilled, I thought. Like, Nell looking quite relaxed. <laughs> well, loose. Yeah, yeah. like yeah I mean, she's like if this keeps up you and i are gonna have to be friends and renee is like really deadpan like it'll never come to that <laughs> and Nell's like promise and renee's like you don't fool me if i offered you some of my jelly roll you'd step right up and Nell's like how do you know you've never offered i'm like is there <laughs> sexual tension between now and renee that. i'm like i thought that Hang on, well, I don't I don't think I don't think that ever gets that's like a that's like a massive like uh unacknowledged unacknowledged I feel like that wasn't written in the script but I feel like the actors like put that in put there. that in yeah it's yeah like oh hang on a second <laughs> like what is yeah this? I liked it <laughs> yeah I, I enjoyed it 
then um, we get like a little a little montage as we cut over to Brandy's hospital room and Brandy and Nicholas are also slow dancing as it snows outside, like finally waltzing into retirement. Um, and then it goes back to Melanie and John and Melanie is like, was I too pushy asking you out? And John's like, well, I only date pushy women. And Melanie says, why? Is it because you're too chicken to make the move yourself? And John's like, yeah, exactly. You know me already. And Melanie goes, I knew you from the minute you walked in the, jo- in the door. You had me on, hi, I'm Jonathan Cage. I mean, Jonathan Cage. I mean, actually, it's John. <laughs> John's like, all right. <laughs> Dancing is quiet thinking. If you're going to speak, let it be involuntary. And Melanie happily puts her head on his shoulder and nibbles his earlobe. And John raises his eyebrows and looks tickled pink. He does. I love his expression because she like proper goes like hand like on his ear yeah. like really like um, playfully and playfully like, his and he's um, like Woo. And he, yeah, his little surprise expression over her shoulder is so cute if he was a dog he'd be wagging his tail <laughs> his ears would be up and he'd be wagging his tail <laughs> <laughs> he looks so happy so it's sweet. so cute it's so sweet and that's the end. I know. What a cute little... John wagging his little tail. <laughs> John wagging his tail. <laughs> Such a cute episode. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, there was a lot of like, a lot of things are going well for the couples of Cajun Fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, everyone particularly be... Nell and Renee. I mean, yeah, I mean who what saw that coming? Books, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I'm into it. Yeah, no, I I wonder whether we'll see anything oh, we more like David that. E. Kelly's got no time for lesbians. Do you reckon on the he's, butt of jokes? he's just completely oblivious to it? Like that's something the actors. I don't think he. I don't in. think he ever saw. I don't think he ever because you know he writes the scripts, he hands it over, and they film it. Like he's not yeah, accessible. No, do you know what I mean? Like they just do what they can with it, and they put that in. So yeah. good for them. I yeah. say. No, I liked it, but I just. I yeah. wonder whether another kind of moment like that gets passed, you know, they should. In, in it should future episodes because it's kind of fun. Yeah, very fun. Yeah. Verdict of the week. The jury's back. So it's a little bit random because I didn't Funny. feel like anyone was this like feeling inside. <laughs> it's a little bit funny. <laughs> okay so um i'm gonna give a not guilty to nell oh yeah for being gay for well you know you always get a not guilty for being gay but no um, but like props snaps snaps for being queer snaps for being queer yeah always 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 but also i kind of liked that she took an interest and wanted to help like Mark and Richard, even though Richard is in no way deserving of any kind of help. But Mark, you know, he might be redeemable. He's so far just a mediocre man. But I just feel like, you know, it was nice to see now be interested in other people because for a very long time so far Uh in this kind of season, apart from like the kind of episodes like, We've had a few episodes where she's kind of broken out of that like ice queen bitch thing that they really solidly had her in. Um, yeah, for, like, why a long I don't know. Time. But yeah, um, 
Yeah. But it's, like, nice to see her, like, not treat everyone with just, like, disdain and disgust and, like... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like, I just thought it was nice that she was taking an interest and wanting to be of some guidance to... Yes. Some men. <laughs> some undeserving I mean, men. <laughs> men don't deserve this, but sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, they don't. Those men certainly but don't. we've got to start um, somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, so I had um, Larry not guilty for oh. just being so goddamn sweet to Brandy. Like, I he was know. just so cute He's the so whole cute. episode. And I just had to give it to him. I mean... Uh, you know, if I could give uh, Not Guilty to Larry for being cute, like, uh, I think that would make him the, like, winner every episode. <laughs> like, yeah, but I just feel like, yeah, I know I know, but I feel like... Um, Especially I feel like... In this episode. Like, he's, he's very cute with Ali always, but he was that and cute with Brandy. Like, it was just yes. an extra layer of cute. It was cute. very nice to so, see him be nice. I enjoyed it. To the old and lady. he got them back together. That was he they were did. about to divorce, so instead yeah. they're going to have a nice retirement. Whether it kills Nicholas or not, whether it drives him <laughs> to suicide or not, they will. Yes, they will retire. <laughs> they will retire. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she say this was a really sweet episode. There yeah. was just one minor reference to transphobia. Yeah, um, could have done without that. And you know, it's just a really tarring single people with a terrible brush but yeah. apart from that it was pretty good I, yeah. I really enjoyed it agreed well agreed. done I liked it it was sweet nice um good yeah so what did you guys think of this episode um do you uh enjoy this new character Melanie West that we have how do you feel about Melanie and John how do you feel about all the couples being coupled up um, do you think that makes Ali McBeal more interesting at the moment or do you think it's boring do you want more drama um, <laughs> let us know uh, we're on Twitter and uh, Facebook at Bygones Podcast we're on Instagram at Bygones Pod or you can email us with your long form thoughts uh, at <laughs> Bygones Podcast at gmail.com long form <laughs> well you know sometimes thoughts <laughs> Don't fit into a tweet. Sometimes you want to go on and on for 18 pages front <laughs> and back. Sometimes you need to be a little bit extra and be here for that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Until uh, next time. Bye, Bye guys. guys. What you want?